This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here. Go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. And today we are continuing our series on community-minded agencies. And I can't think of a better person than Mr. Chris Paradiso to talk to about this. What's going on, Chris? How you guys doing? All right? Doing good. We're doing, doing good. good, man. You know, it's funny because as we... Um, is we're talking to different people who are different, doing different things inside their community. It's like all roads lead back to Paradiso on this. So no, you're, you're all, leading- all, all leads lead back to one place, independent insurance agents who are the heartbeat of every community in this country. Every community. I, I, I agree with that, man. But I got to tell you, you know, you are leading by example. And there's a lot of people who are watching what you do. They know what you do. So I wanted to get you on here and just talk a little bit. And, and it's weird. We were talking with Claudia McLean on the episode before. What an absolute sweetheart. Like, I could hang out with her all day. I don't like I talk to people like that. And I think, did you ever discipline your kids when they were young? (laughs) She just doesn't seem like she has a bone in her body that's capable of doing that. But I also know that she's owned an independent insurance agency since 1977. So there's a a real good chance. She's got a solid backbone. (laughs) She's got a solid backbone in 77. How many women agency owners there were? That's what we talked about. Yeah. Hands off, hands off because not only were they in a quote unquote man's world, Mm-hmm. Um, insurance has never been an easy. So you add those two together, uh, tough. And by far, probably, non-arguably, the best personal lines agency in the country. I don't know who would argue that. And if they would, I, you know, I would question that because she, she just runs a ridiculously amazing operation. Absolutely. I, I believe it. And very humble, very giving. I mean, every every attribute you would want to have as a leader that you're working under um, you know, just very, very impressive. So it was, it was a pleasure to talk to her, but it's good to talk to you too, man. So one of the things we told her was people get weird when you start talking about community involvement. And so when we, when we have this conversation, I put the preface on this, this isn't to brag or beat your chest. This is literally to educate, because I think that one of the things that came out of, of several conversations we've had revolving around this topic we're all blessed in an industry where we have enough gross margin that we can make a difference, you know, and, and, and truthfully not even miss it <laughs> in many cases. And, you know, we've had people like Bob Klinger on here. We've had Claudia, we've had uh, Daniel song earlier and, and the list is going to go on and on because we're going to focus on how agencies can make a more concerted effort to be involved in their communities. But I'm interested in in hearing your backstory a little bit and how you got to where you're at today. And I realized that would probably be like a three-part mini-series on its own. But give us the 10,000-foot overview, and then I want to dive into some of this community stuff because it seems like you've got a lot of cool programs that if an agency just listens to what you have to say, can go back and very easily implement some of this as early as tomorrow if they want it. Real easy. I'm going to give you this quick and skinny. Um, Started in life and health. 
um, by uh, the gentleman's uh, was the son of the founder of who created the one and only um, in the financial industry uh, called the financial needs analysis uh, Wolf. It was uh, Vernon Publishing and Mr. Wolf. His son and myself played um, a lot of basketball together. We traveled in multi-countries playing uh, an all-black invitationals. So there was only two of us, uh, both being white, but we played on an all-black team in all-black uh, invitationals in Canada here. We became close friends, and um, his father said, hey, someday when you get out of college, give me a call. And that's what I did. And he came from the life and investment side and um, he had a partner, Zakin, which was Wolf and Zakin back in the day. So once I got up and running, he said to me, uh, you got to go through New York life. That's if you're going to make it in the industry, that's where you got to go to. I did. I listened to him. Um, he said to me, I met with him two, out, two years after. He said, I think you need to start looking into property and casualty because this was in 90, 1999. Uh, people want a one-stop shop. It's the future. It's the financial world is going to be placed in one person's hands and um, you're going to take care of it there. I met with another close friend uh, of the family. Um, geniuses in the insurance space. Uh, Arthur Andrioli in the life insurance. He insured Tommy Heinz and Bob Cousy, all the greats. His family um, owns and runs a great insurance operation. They're, they're the staple in Massachusetts called the Sullivan Group. The Andrioli family and uh, his, their father said to me in their family restaurant that my dad went to for 50 years for lunch and played Italian cards, Briscola. He sat there and says, you need to go and start today. This was in 2000 and get your PNC license. And I took his advice from a very successful um, uh, gentleman. Um, and uh, from there on out, um, I, I enjoyed the life and health and investment side, but uh, converted over four to five years to being 100, I say 100%, I'm 99% PNC, 1% to 2% life. Uh, so that's just a quick snapshot of, of how I got into and got to where I was getting to, um, where we're pretty fortunate where we are today. You got your fingers in a lot of stuff, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was a, you know, that was a 10,000 foot overview, but I don't think it, it captures, I mean, and obviously, like I said, it could be a three-part miniseries, but that's led to you having multiple agency partnerships, investments into insure tech and other things. I mean, what a, sure. what a great opportunity our industry gives all of us if we have the ability to be good stewards of what we're entrusted with. Yeah, I think the number one thing is um, give, give, give. And the more we can give to each other, um, the more we realize that we are not competitors. Um, we may look like competitors because it's Paradiso Insurance versus Penny Hanley and Howley insurance. But at the end of the day, it really isn't. It's it's Paradiso, the small guy, Penny Hanley. She's a, a Kristen's a, a great uh, small uh, independent agency owner. And it's us versus uh, the lizard. I won't even say the name. It's us versus flow. It's us versus, you know, mm -hmm. the nationals who um, who have billion dollar budgets that we don't have. And it's the one thing we have that they don't have, which is the community. We I have agree. that control. Mm -hmm. I, I agree a hundred percent. And I mean, that's the whole thing. People are buying from fictitious marketing characters they when are. I'm the guy that they come to when they need their little league team sponsored, or I'm the guy that they come to when they need backpacks for the school kids or whatever else. And I'm not saying that because I, well, that's an I interesting point, though. Fight. but if you think about it, that that's a, that's a chronic issue that we all face. And, and I don't think that there's any way that you get that you fix that or even attempt to reverse that without giving. That's the only thing you're going to be able to do to make yourself pronounced and stick out more in your community than what some of these national companies have. No ifs, ands, or buts. If I don't need any billboards, I tell everybody I'd rather give away a bike to, to kids that are reading and have a lasting effect on the community versus a billboard that somebody might call me off that billboard. Nobody cares about the billboard. No, I agree. So talk a little bit about your community involvement strategy, because I know there's a strategy there. It, yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a, you've got multiple. Initiatives, I think, is probably the best word, multiple multiple initiatives that you execute on, um, you know, for whether it be the, the flag flag day deal that you guys do. I've seen that. I've seen Justin post. 
about that a lot. Um, I know the bike deal, and we talked to Bob Klinger a little bit about him doing that in his agency. I'm just interested. Just lay it out there, man. What are you guys doing and how did you get started in it? And how are you executing it and still finding time to run your agency? Because I think that a lot of people are probably scared to death that if they start giving, they're not going to have time to, to make money. And that's the wrong way to think about it. I'll repeat, as I say often, Mother Teresa didn't die poor. And there isn't anybody that gave more than that woman because that that is the closest thing to Jesus Christ that walked on this earth, man. And uh, it's simple. In January, uh, we focus on um, on um, children who are in um, who have been either taken from parents or are uh, in temporary uh, families. Um, So we really focus on children Um, in, in the month of January and February. We focus on Operation Gratitude, which is all about the men and women serving overseas. Um, we then go into um, an amazing uh, March, uh, April, and May, um, our Bikes for Reading program. And it's all about getting kids to read uh, 70 hours and getting their name put in a hat. And um, while we give away bikes and we go into schools, we also run a campaign at the same time called the Kindness Revolution. And the goal is, is to get children to come up and speak in front of other kids um, about someone who was kind to them in their class. Um, I get teared up because I have on video, I've never shared this because I would never do this to this young man who um, it punched me in the gut. He stood up and he, um, he says, I'm, I'm in fifth grade. My name is so-and-so. Um, I have one friend in this room, one friend that plays with me. And I want to make sure he gets that bracelet because you all don't know how much it hurts when you call me fat. And he stood up and told the class how he felt. Um, I still have a letter from him and his parents um, stated that I changed his life um, because now he's respected all because he had the guts to stand up there for a a rubber bracelet that says uh, kindness is cool. And uh, he gave that kid a bracelet and um, they stood and they gave him a standing ovation and teachers said, if that's not eye-opening to the teachers, we need to be aware of how kids are treating us. We need to be aware that this crap is still going on. And um, that's how we change lives. We change lives by stupid little programs that it's just, hey, can we get a kid to just talk about somebody else being kind? And then the story comes out. And I can tell you story upon story upon story. And kids actually will fight over the bracelet more than the bike. Um, so that kindness, uh, goes on with the same, when we go in and we give away a bike, we give away a bike for the second grade, third grade, fourth grade and fifth grade. And then we also give, um, in pre-K and first grade at another school, but we go and we talk and we, um, I'm a big kid. So I, I get on there and I'm banging on the table. I get all the other kids banging. I mean, you can hear the whole school, right. And, uh, we go drum roll and then we pick a name and then we have the parents come out. Because I find it um, one of my passions is I believe that we need to invest in kids um, is to get these parents to show up so that you can see how proud your your child is by receiving that bike. So I can tell you more memories. They've affected the kids and the parents have affected me more than I've affected them. That's why we do it. We do it. So I mean, I personally believe um, that reading is one of the most influential things. Um, if we want to really have success later in life, it plays a, a vital role in, in our life that the more we can get kids to read, the smarter um, and, and, and the better their future will be. So that's why we do it. Um, we also do Easter egg hunt, um, which is a huge, we put out 10,000 Easter eggs. Um, we stuff them. We get the community Stafford fire department, um, and um, we raise money and we give away bikes also there. But uh, several unbelievable community people come and they stuff some of the seniors and they put a dollar bill in some of them. So the kids, they pick these eggs. And when it, you've never seen 10,000 eggs in a field. So we do the yeah. younger kids and then we do the older kids. Go on YouTube. You can see our video. And it, I mean, you just see massive amounts of eggs. But it's a truly remarkable day. Um, I got a hair across my hiney when... Uh, a local politician said there will never be another Easter egg hunt here in our town because um, we should never mix government with religion. 
Uh, the last time I checked as a Catholic, or I don't care what religion you are, the Easter Bunny, to my understanding, is it's. I don't know what religion they are on. So yeah. I think it's more about the kids. So I, I got a hair across my hiney and um, I'm not going to lie to you. I st- stirred the pot and we brought together the community and the community loves it, which is great. And it's not about me. This is about the kids. The kids need to benefit. The kids need to see this. The kids, and it's, this is a family day. Can we get families to come together and do these things? Um, so that, that also takes place in April. And then we move on to flag day, which is June 14th which is by far our staple event. Um, roughly about 900 uh, people come within our community. We feed them. We, uh, I, I own a brewery, so we bring in the brewery and we give out a free beer and we have a local radio station. Um, we get to meet all kinds of veterans and put them on the radio. Um, and it's a day to honor our flag, honor our veterans, honoring uh, those that serve uh, we honor the police. We honor the fire department. Uh, I'm a big first responder guy. Um, so June 14th is all about our community. It's, uh, it is a barbecue. Um, it's, it's an amazing day. We give out in excess of 600 t-shirts, uh, flags. Anybody brings a flag, we're going to replace a flag for you at no cost to you. Uh, I'm not going to tell you it's a cheap day, uh, but it's pretty amazing. We do uh, 175 pounds of roast beef. Uh, 500 hamburgers, 500 hot dogs, um, about 50 pounds of sausage. Um, it's, it's just it's just a day for the community to come together. Classic car collectors come. They park all around the town. Uh, we get the fire department. Um, we, ha- we hang a 30 by 60 flag across the street. Um, and it's just an amazing day that the community comes together and we honor our veterans. How, so how did that take off? How did that you know start and kind of... Well, the great thing is, is Claudia McLean um, talked about a flag exchange. And I said, that is an unbelievable thing. Um, and I just, I had a different vision, but at the end of the day, it was Claudia McLean's idea. Um, and it started off with the first one was maybe about 30 or 40 people in the office. Year two went up to about maybe a hundred. Year three went up to about 300. Year four, hundreds more. Um, I'm fortunate that the local, um, Troopers here are um, don't charge me because we almost shut down Main Street because they're veterans. Uh, they they come from near and they always say, hey, "It's my day off, but I ain't taking a day off because they just love to see they are on their bikes. The community's involved. Um, it's it's peaceful. It's nice. Uh, I, I say it's like the fifties when people came together. Um, it was it's just a, a truly remarkable cool. day to pay our respects. And then we move into uh, September, which is um, a reverse trick or treat, which um, my daughter was hospitalized at the age of one and um, mm. uh, five, uh, five nights, six days um, and found out that she had a rare sickness, uh, serum sickness. And um, at the Connecticut Children's Medical, she was the first one in 14 years to ever be diagnosed with this. And I was really disturbed walking around the hallway with her that there, you know, the parents weren't there. Kids were alone. I mean, five, six years old. I just said to myself that devastated me seeing these kids, how how fearful you're in a hospital. It's so um, I insured the, uh, the head um, ER doctor. And I said, I really want to do something. And we came up with an idea called reverse trick or treat, which because the kids with cancer can't have, chocolate because it's coming out of nut factories came chocolates coming and being made with with enough where there's nuts mm-hmm. uh that has a drastic effect on a lot of the chemotherapy and i never put one and one together so really? reverse trick-or-treat is all about uh, arts crafts uh we supply radio flyers because radio flyers are what bring the children into the uh, surgical rooms they don't bring them in on, on gurneys or stretchers or you know roller beds they bring them in on on, on, on flyers radio flyers. Uh, so, uh, we, we, uh, when there isn't, um, either a pandemic or an outbreak, a flu outbreak, we get to go in with our, um, local teammates and, uh, give away, allow kids to take anything they want from sunglasses to board games, to Uno, to arts, crafts, Play-Doh, um, Dunkin' Donuts gift cards. And, uh, our community comes together and to be honest with you, about 60% of the stuff that we were able to bring into the hospital, matchbox cars, uh, come from other insurance agents that support us. Claudia McLean has supported us, I believe, five, six years. 
Um, and you know, she supports us in a big way. Bob Klinger was one of my close friends who's not only, uh, in my opinion, an American hero served, um, purple heart. I mean, the guy's just an amazing human being. Um, Daniel Sums supported us, a Marine, uh, another great agent. Agents have supported us. So, um, from there we go into reverse Advent and that's where we are today, which is all about, um, collecting food and, and, um, I can't tell you how many thousands of dollars we've collected. I just got a $500 donation here from a local business um, that we're going to go out and uh, buy a ton of food. And our, our goal is, is um, you know, how, how can we serve others? That's really where our community um, involvement believes in. That's our focus. Your reach is broader than your community, though. You do something pretty cool with regards to the last agent standing. Um, talk a little bit about that, the thought process behind it. And, you know, we'll, we'll swap stories a little bit because sure. that, that's something that's very, very close to me personally. Yeah. So um, I wanted to be able to, um, I was fortunate. I met, um, was 2009 picked to be on the cover of Rough Notes and met in a, some really cool uh, agents that um, broaden my horizons. And um, what ended up happening is um, I was I was able to invited to go out to be a part of the advisory board at Rough Notes. And several agents said, hey, you know, let, we started chit chatting and talking about some of the um, digital things we were doing, Facebook. And um, on, we really were focused on a lot of email marketing and, and onboarding clients and and, and things of that sort, along with the community service work. And um, a couple agents said, hey, we, we, we would love to visit you and, and spend a day or two with you and maybe you could share. So what ended up happening and coming of it is agencies were flying out and spending time with me that I decided that taking this content and um, originally, you know, 80%, 90% of the articles in the first two volumes were more driven by me. But I really wanted to expand that to get agents like Daniel Song, who who's crushing it on Yelp. Who thinks an agent can crush it on Yelp? There's still people that doubt me on crushing it on Pinterest, right? I was, but I was it's okay. baffled by that earlier. Yeah, you know, he's, he's brilliant. He's brilliant. It's Not funny. only brilliant, you know, he's 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 a community rock star. I mean, the guys. He, I mean, he's he's doing amazing things. Yeah, it's funny. I told him people could immediately start trying to use Yelp as a mechanism to grow their business and they're out of luck. He's got too far of a head start on it. <laughs> he is like Yelp. Yeah. I, I asked him, I said, how long is it going to be Daniel before when I type in Yelp.com, there's a redirect to your website. <laughs> yeah, he's working on it. It's he's crazy it. to think yeah. about it. And I mean, that's in that sort of how this whole industry works. You find that one thing that nobody else is doing and you become an expert at that. You can be pretty good at the other stuff, but if you can go really, really deep in one area, you can really scale your business quickly. Yeah, no question. No question. But the, to end that story um, is really, um, I wanted to be able to get other agents and put together a magazine that was different, um, different in the sense is not that there was anything wrong with the amazing rough notes or or, um, or insurance journal or anything else. But I really wanted to focus a magazine on visual content marketing. Um, I felt uh, that the world had gone visual seven, eight years ago. And the goal was uh, why a magazine? Because everybody was writing a book. And I don't think a book could do justice for what I was trying to do is really just open agencies' eyes to, hey, let me write about Pinterest and just maybe just maybe you'll just try it, right? Or a brand guide when most people looked at me and said, what the hell's a brand guide? Uh, when I was speaking throughout the country. So I, I figured I'm going to do this magazine because I want to hopefully introduce these types of concepts. Uh, geofencing, geotracking, what's the difference, mm -hmm. right? Um, where and the end goal of the magazine was first and foremost to educate and at least share ideas with agents, right? Not just my ideas, but other amazing agents, whether it's Ryan Hanley, Jason Kaz, Daniel Sung, Bob Klinger, Jeff Roy, uh, Matt Namoli, um, just sharing all this, um, Jerry Niccolo, uh, Huff Insurance, just there's so many amazing agents. But 
the goal was is to be able to raise money to give back to Journey Found, which is an organization that my sister lives in, which helps um, people with intellectual disabilities. I hate that word, but um, it labels a group of people. My sister was unfortunately or fortunately born with mental retardation, which is very different than autism, very different than um, uh, Down syndrome. My cousin um, is Down syndrome. Um, and um, my goal is, is how can I help give a voice to people who aren't heard? Cracked teeth, as you can see here, um, fighting somebody who called my sister the R word, which I, I hate. And some people say, well, why do you say mental retardation? I just think it's a respectful word, understanding who my sister is. Um, but I just don't, I'm not, a, I'm not a big label guy. Just I wanted a voice for people with disabilities, beautiful people who are Down syndrome, um, um, autism. Um, I know a bunch of agents with autistic children. And I mean, all I want to do is to be able to write checks to help these organizations that maybe we can give a voice to somebody like my sister. And my sister is only one of millions um, with intellectual disabilities. But um, one of my passions in life is, is not, I'd say number one is to be the best dad ever to my kids. And number two would be um, fought for people who um, didn't have a voice, people like my sister. So it's a long lasting thing because my father and mother have been fighting for years. And um, I think society is getting better, but we can't stop. We have to keep fighting. I don't think that until you have a relative that has experienced something like that, that you can look through the world with that lens. I think people are ignorant. Um, you know, I don't, I don't talk about it a lot. I talk about it in broad strokes, <clears throat> but my youngest son has some pretty significant neurological issues himself. Um, he's a lifer. We know that Kyle gets his every couple of nights. I send a picture of Ethan in his, uh, he's, he's nine and should not be wearing costumes during, during the, any other time, but Halloween, but he has full SWAT gear and he has a police car with lights and a PA system. And he drives around the neighborhood with post-it notes, giving our neighbors tickets. If he doesn't like the way they drive, he'll get out of it, <laughs> write him a ticket, it. slap it on the side of their car, whatever else. But I mean, you know, as crazy as it is, there's not a day that goes by. And I don't say this lightly. And I don't say this as a cliche, there's not a day that goes by that I don't learn something from him, whether it be no how to deal with other people or how to handle things myself. There was a period of time when he was 18 years old or 18, 18 months old, rather. Uh, he had had some gastro issues. We took him into the hospital. The, uh, the, the person who was supposed to perform, the doctor that performed the scope on him, came out and said, everything looks clear, but we have all of the other specialists on duty this weekend. We want to go ahead and admit him so that we can run a battery of tests. We want to make sure we can figure out what's wrong with him. We had gone in. It was a Thursday. We went in planning on coming home that afternoon, and it turned out I needed to leave and drive back out 40 minutes to where we live to get a, a, a bag of clothes because my wife and I obviously weren't going to leave him there <clears throat> by himself. I had to make arrangements for the other older boys at the time, my daughter wasn't born yet. And I was driving back in to the hospital and I'll never forget this because I don't think that there's ever been a time in my life where something has hit me between the eyes as hard as what that did. But as I'm recreating my way back to where I had parked the car, I looked up and I saw a sign that was directing me to the pediatric cancer unit. And I'm thinking to myself, what the heck is going on? This is not normal. Something's not right. And I start you know, thinking the worst case scenario and freaking out. Well, it turns out they ran him through the battery of tests and he was born with what's called an agenesis of the corpus callosum. It's a piece of your brain that connects the two hemispheres and it allows each of them to talk to each other. His is only about halfway developed and that'll never, there's nothing you can do to fix that. He was also born with um, low white brain matter, perioventricular leukomalacia is what it's called, but it's low white brain matter and your body only pre your body only produces that prenatally. So you have two choices. Either it stays the same as he gets older and it never gets any worse, or he has progressive white brain disease and it's hundred percent fatal. So the only way you know whether or not you have progressive white brain disease or not is to take a baseline MRI, which they did at 18 months 
And then you wait another 18 months and take another one to see if it's regressed any. So for 18 months, my wife and I lived not knowing yeah. whether or not my son was going to live to see 10 years old or not. Yeah, you have a whole different perspective. Like, like this morning at 345, when he woke me up because he couldn't find the stupid elf on a shelf and he was worried about where it was, <laughs> you know, he wasn't going, we know based on how he's wired, he ain't going to bed until he finds the stupid elf. Yeah. Right. So I got up at three 30 this morning. Where and was the there. elf dude? Like, come on. Yeah. It was where, hanging. Where, like, where did you hide him? He's <laughs> not a good finder. Okay. <laughs> got to put it in front of him. Yeah. It was, it was literally in the wide open. So, but, anyway, but it does open your eyes, uh, David, to all the little things, you know, you can have a bad day and you go home and I see my sister and she says, you know, what's up? And it's just like the world she lives in. Um, mm-hmm. When some people, some people say, man, you know, I feel bad. Don't feel bad. She lives in a better world than we live in. Right. Trust True. me. Yeah. No, I, I, I want agree. her to have a voice, but she lives in a better world. She does not look at the world the way we look at it. You know, some people say, oh, you know, the racism that my sister doesn't have a racist bone in her body. She looks at everybody as they're wonderful. Gets bit by a dog, 180 stitches in her head. I mean, it's still massive scars. What does she do? She goes and she pets any dog. She loves dogs. Never once. Most people would be like, whoa, you know, Mm. she was all bandaged up for months on end when I was younger. She went right back to dogs. Why? Because she lives in a different world. And that world is much friendlier, much kinder. Um, I wish we all lived in that world. So, but she opens our eyes to all the simple little things, just as your son. Absolutely. I mean, that's what my wife is obviously a very protective mother. And, you know, we, we do talk about it. She works, she's a speech pathologist by degree, but she works with people who have the cognitive ability to speak but are nonverbal. Her company manufactures communication devices similar to what Stephen Hawking had mounted on his wheelchair. So I take her anywhere. You know, we go to a cocktail party, whether it be for insurance or not, people say, hey, what do you do? Well, I'm in insurance and risk management. They'll ask Andrea, what do you do? I give people a voice. I'm out. Anybody want anything to drink when I go up and get the refills? Because she's going she's gonna to run the table the rest of the night. I can't get a word in. But we say that because well, we need more people like her, David, because, well, and, and they, I say they, that, you know, like it, my father says, what would be worse if you had a daughter? And I do. And he says, what would be worse if your daughter died without ever being heard as a parent? And I was like, "Ooh, that's tough. Dad, I, I he says, I don't care, son or daughter, nothing worse than if you lost a child who never could be heard ever. You, they never had a voice. My best friend gets involved and helps. And he, he tells everybody why I'm involved. I'm involved to make sure she has a voice, make sure he has a voice, make sure these people with disabilities are heard because they're human beings. They cry like us. uh, They laugh like us. They have the same feelings. They need to be heard. So kudos to your wife, David, kudos. And, And we need more people who have that, that, that hunger to fight because we have to fight. Absolutely. And I mean, I, I tell people all the time, Ethan couldn't have been born to a more perfect mother. I mean, you, you said that to me before you did. Yeah. You, you just, you can't even imagine. So, you know, we're thankful from that respect. So, I mean, you're, you're going through your, you have the magazine, you're, you're doing that to give your sister a voice. What kind of progress have you made doing that? We're raising thousands of dollars, um, created uh, an endowment. One of my dad's dreams was an endowment because at the, at the age 85 and battling with a few health issues, um, he's concerned, um, not a big believer that the government's going to always be there to take care of people with disabilities. There's always cutbacks. And um, for example, we get a call. Um, what people don't really understand is People like my sister who are 20 or, or maybe like uh, your child, David, where if when you say lifer, well, my father's, uh, we, my mom passed away two years ago. Lucky that she's in a group home because my father couldn't take care of her 24 hours a day. It's a 24 hour day, seven days a week job. Well, there's two um, young adults um, who lost their parents. You know, they were older, like my father in their 80s. And there was only one parent left. They died. And now they have a child, which is not really a child, but 
40s or 50s now going in a group home, never been in a group home and looking for food because the government didn't have all their ducks in a row because they were on a waiting list to get into a group home. Well, now it's an emergency group home because their parent just passed away and they, they can't drive. They can't write a check. They, they, you know, unfortunately, like my sister, you know, if she doesn't have 24 hour care, she's lost. Right. So what do we do? We have to step up. And um, so uh, being able to be able to say we raised money to be able to buy swing sets, buy food. Um, th- these these two gentlemen that are now going into this group home, they get a six hundred dollar stipend for food. Nothing more. Mm. They don't have a driver's license. They'll never have a driver's license. One of them wears a helmet because, unfortunately, he bangs his head against the wall and, 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 and harms him. $600 of a food stipend of a person who is so disabled they will never drive, never never be able to take care of themselves. Where's a diaper? If I can't stand there and help these people, what it, I look at myself and say, what's wrong with our government? We need to help these people. It's crazy that that a $600 stipend, that kills me. So we're going to make sure that that person has, those houses have enough food for a year. And that, that's going to be the end of the story because that's, in my, my life, I feel that's our obligation. We need to help those who can never repay us back. That's the ultimate gift. What does it cost one of those places? I mean, I, I don't want to sound ignorant, but for them to have food for a year, what does that expense look like? $4,800 when you're buying in bulk, you know, it's not. And you're, you're raising Small, money now. I mean, do you have raising food? money, raising food? Um, have you guys raised 4,800 bucks this year? Well, we just started in December. Uh, we probably have $3,200, $3,100 worth of food down there. Um, we, we have more checks. I believe we'll, at, by the end of the, we'll be at $20,000. If we get the 10, I'm matching 10, we're at 20 grand. So my goal is to match dollar for dollar everything we raise. Every piece of food we raise, um, that, that, that's, you know, somehow spurring out other people on. You know, maybe they'll, they'll write a $10 check or bring $10 worth of food because they know I'm going to match it. Whatever I have to do. But um, there is no way that I can't raise $10,000 from the community worth of food and, and donations. And my obligation is to match that. And, Um, uh, the great thing about it is, is being able to not only sell magazines and doing other things, um, giving back to the industry, it's, it's giving back the journey found and helping people be taken care of for those that, that aren't. So to me, you know, it was created for two, two things. My passion is, um, is helping agents. I love, love, love independent agents. My bestest of friends, I could tell you. Um, from Bob Klinger, uh, Daniel Song, Mike Stromso, one of the best of the best to talk to Mike every single week, um, to Matt Namoli, Ryan Hanley, Jason Katz. There's so many great, unbelievable, amazing people to then being able to give back to charity. Um, to me, it's a win-win, and that's what Paradiso Presents in the magazine is all about. Is there a way that if we put a link in this episode when it runs, people can donate electronically? Sure. They could go right to, and we can send it to you, uh, David. It's www.paradisopresents.com. And right on there, uh, they can get the magazine. And just so you know, uh, all the profits. And right now, it doesn't matter if it's profits or not. uh, 100% of the money that's coming in is going out for for food. So we are going to continue to, you know, make a difference. That's, we have to do it. It's our So here's the thing, man. We're going into the first of the year. Everybody sees Jesus at the first of the year. They want to get better with financially. They want to lose weight. They want to do all of that stuff. I know you know, this episode is supposed to air probably late February, early March. That's not going to happen. I'm going to fast track this because I want to get this message out now while everybody's warm and fuzzy and they don't forget where they came from. So there's two things that I want to say. The first one is and as soon as we get off of this, please make sure I have that link because our producers is going to give you $1,000 towards food based off of what I just heard. The second piece of it is some of you schleps out there are out there writing business based off of the things that we've taught you and you're sitting on your wallets. You've heard stories that are real 
you've heard stories of things that are going on in the community. If you value anything at all that we've ever been able to teach you, if you've closed accounts, like the numerous emails I get every week, come off your wallet and go to this link and donate. I don't do this ever. I've not once asked anybody for a dime on this show, but I want everybody that feels so inclined to go to the link and donate today. We appreciate that. And we promise we're going to make, keep making a difference. And the best thing we can do is when we say better together, because if we can stick together, guys and gals, I'm telling you, uh, sky's, sky's the limit. Agreed. So let's shift gears for just a second. Sure. And as we wrap up, I, don't, I, I want to be respectful of your time, but you know, you've been in the industry longer than I have by a few years. You have a completely different perspective. I've only known Florida, you know, so I don't really have much experience other than excess and surplus lines uh, property for the first however many years of my career. What's the number one piece of advice you'd give to any agent coming into the industry right now, knowing what you know today? Personal brand, by far the number one thing that they can do in today. The social media world and the social world has, has changed the way uh, we market would be number one. Number two, are they coming in as an agency owner or coming in as as working for somebody else? I, I would tell you two pieces of advice, two drastically different. If you're coming in um, as as an agency owner, I would tell you um, looking at things today, I would get out there and I would find and I would um, find I would find a, a small book of business or a book of business to purchase. And I, I would take loans and I would take the risk. Um, fortunately, you know, I have grown to be 55 plus million, uh, in written premium and, uh, we do have a niche, but could have gotten there a lot faster if I looked at that versus saying, Hey, I want to focus. If I'm a, if I'm a agent going to work for somebody else, the number one thing is I would go and find the agency that's going to work with me and educate, educate at training. Because so many agencies are not training. They're not, they're just not built to train, right? They don't have the, the training program. So if you're going to, if you're an agent looking to go work for somebody else, the number one thing is, is what do you have to offer for training? Because at the end of the day, isn't this all about the long, I mean, insurance is the tail, man. Nobody comes in this space and just makes millions overnight. Many people come in and spend 20 years and make millions and millions of dollars. I've met very, very wealthy uh, agents who, but um, I, I think agents who are working for somebody, you have to demand that training. And if it's not there, find another agency because uh, the keys to your kingdom are in education and training. You have to be different. You have to be an educator. It's value, value, value. Uh, we are very fortunate to be one of the largest writers of parcel delivery in the United States. And we do not sell on price. We tell everybody. We're, we're not even going to bring up a price until the third meeting. We're going to talk about how we do business, what you need from us in your industry, and last but not least, how we're going to help protect your mod. And in some cases, there's not a mod in specific state, states. We write in 39 states that on how we're going to have a 10-year um, look out for your workers' comp and how we're going to do that through safety. From non-slip tape to, to if, you, uh, if you wear um, um, specific boots, and you twist an ankle and you have a worker's comp claim, the boot company actually pays the first $5,000 of, the, um, of hmm. the claim. So we are tied into a safety, safety, safety. So it all comes down to value. And we have to be different. We can't just be you know, selling on price. We're never going to compete with the lizard. Never. How, uh, how did you get into that niche? Hold on real uh, quick. Before, before you answer that, I want to piggyback on one thing. And that is, here's the advice I would give. In addition to what Chris said, the other thing you should be doing is you should be talking to whichever agency it is that you're looking to go work with and talk to them about technology and systems. Find out what they have that's going to make your life a little bit easier. I, I think a lot of people come in and they do see the ability to, to generate income and, and wealth in our industry thinking that there's some silver bullet that you can just fire off and it automatically happens. I hate to rain on everybody's parade, but it's a grind regardless of you know what you're doing. You're going to grind. I still grind every single day and I and I always will. But it's a little easier when I have HubSpot. You know, it's a little easier no 
you know, when I can see a lot of, you know, the analytics and the, the, the tracking and, and assigning tickets and tasks and all of that stuff. And I think that if, even if an agency has a really, really good training program, that needs to be coupled with the technology to make sure you're going to be successful. And unfortunately, not everybody in our industry is willing to make that investment in mm -hmm. the technology. Chances are they don't have a training program. They're not going to have technology either. Very few are you going to see one without the other. But that would that would be my two cents. Kyle, sure. all your what was your question, Kyle? I apologize. Yeah, I was. I mean, it's a very specific niche. I was wondering how you got in there. Um, actually, a local guy um, we connected with, and we built a friendly relationship, mm -hmm. and we. Um, we were kind of stumped by the contract. So what ended up happening was I had an, an agent that I had brought on um, and uh, I would say a starving agent, certainly not starving today. Um, definitely in the top 1%, uh, but uh, fortunate that I took a, he was going to law school and he said, hey, uh, are you willing to take three months off from law school? I'll pay you a significant amount of money. Um, to help pay for your loans and things of that sort. And will you read this contract? And we learned all about the FedEx contract and, and learned all about the types of policies and never once ran into a carrier that even, even heard of what we were talking about and then uh, started getting on planes and flying around the country and going to target markets to try to locate a carrier who would quote unquote take a gamble with us. So we, we were in the parcel delivery uh, in 2010 into 2011, and uh, it's changed tremendously. And we started the first captive, um, which we still have the only captive today that's homogeneous of just for parcel delivery. Um, we do have some Amazon, 98% of it is FedEx. Um, and we, that's, we just, we love that niche. Now, granted, we play in the personal in the, the small business, small, uh, medium size, uh, commercial insurance, but, um, our niche is, is parcel delivery and we, we, we love it. We love it. I actually have one of those that I can send you guys. If you'll give me your producer's contact info, it was an inbound lead for us. And it's with a program that's not yours right now. And I have a feeling you'd clean their plow. So I'm happy pro to pro probably it. marsh protective. It is. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's 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 the national. We were very fortunate. Um, several uh, people recently um, with all the intergrumblings and a lot of things going on within the insurance space, were able to pick up a couple uh, FedEx. They, I mean, I would call them program administrators. They worked only in understanding parcel delivery. And, you know, we're fortunate to bring them on and their expertise, which, you know, it's, it's all about expertise. If you can talk their language and, and, and really relate to these people. It's the one area where I would tell you if you're a younger agent, uh, which we have, and he's doing phenomenal um, in, in our uh, niche, these, these contractors, men and women are not digital savvy. They are not tech. Technology is not one of their things. And it's just remarkable on, you know, how much handwritten notes um, play such a huge role in, in, in continuing the trust and relationship. So, Good old, I mean, I love geofence and geotargeting. I love technology, but good old fashioned handwriting note cards, we still do that. Yeah, it's interesting too with COVID, you know, obviously people have been shopping from home more and more, but I think there's also some issues with the decline of the postal service that are only going to continue to feed that fire. I mean, that that's a niche that still hasn't even come close to realizing its full potential. And, and I've, I've got friends that own e-commerce companies and I've watched one right after the other start abandoning the U.S. Postal Service because now UPS and FedEx are actually a more economical way for them to ship, more reliable as well. So, yeah. uh, you know, I think that <laughs> we have this conversation two or three years from now that that book's probably double or triple what it is today. Just remember, though, David. Um, money spent purchasing online, uh, not one penny comes back to your community and you can shop local and you can afford to shop local. Sometimes it is more expensive. Um, you know, I, I shop local as much as I can and support our farmers as much as we can. Cause I always say no farms, no food. And I don't want my food coming from another country. I love this country right here.
Mm-hmm. I am fairly certain there is not a Sunday market anywhere in Hillsborough County that my wife <laughs> doesn't have on her loop. So if you, that's a good you know, woman right there. Yeah. And you, you know what? I need to, I, you, you'd appreciate this. I'll shoot you a picture over when, when we get done. But um, I was, it was so cool because in each of our offices, we have um, a flag that is made with actual commission fire hose. And uh, the company is Firehouse Designs, and they're they're in Valrico, which is where my primary office is. They were actually featured on Fox and Friends like two weeks ago. I, I looked, and there was this massive Firehouse flag, and their shtick is, you know, they've got the serial number on there showing the UL Labs number and all of that, and then it have the actual brass coupling that they use, all part of this this picture. And I saw it on TV, and I told we were laying in bed. It was like five thirty in the morning. I think Ethan slept in a little bit looking for the elf that day. But <laughs> we, uh, I looked at it and I said, that looks like firehouse designs. And, and sure enough, it was, it was, it was really, really cool. I saw the picture you had on social media of the, uh, the flag that you had had made that, that you had had a picture taken of. And that, that reminded me of it, but man, you can um, see I, it's directly in back of me. One of them, which is, uh, by a local veteran and, um, you know, guys, uh, they don't talk about it, but these guys are heroes, not just guys, girls, too. They come back from war and, you know, 32, 33 and um, seeing things they shouldn't see. And, uh, you know, you know, real heroes fought for our freedom. And, you know, amazing people. They're amazing people. Well, and we're exposed to it here specifically because we've got, um, you know, CENTCOM is here and we've got McDill and it's Tampa has grown a lot over the years. So it's more spread out than it used to be. It used to be the area where I live was the was the place where a lot of the military people lived because it was more affordable housing than living in South Tampa or one of the or Carrollwood or one of those other places. But I agree with you wholeheartedly, man. I um I, I don't have anything else to say. I want to go out and just start screaming at people in the parking lot to donate money, you know, based off uh, listening to this for the last little bit, but I'm, I'm dead serious. I'm going to do everything I can to help you, brother. We Heart appreciate any, any help. And at the end of the day, uh, I can assure you, we're not going to let anybody down that, that, that I promise. We're not going to let anybody nope. down. I believe that. Well, listen, I'm sure people are going to want to reach out. How do they find you? I mean, obviously they can just, go anywhere on social and find you relatively easy. They can, but if they want, I, I give my cell phone out and it's amazing on how many people reach out. Make amazing friends, uh, 860-836-1230. My mobile, my email is just my first initial, first initial C, Paradiso, P-A-R-A-D-I-S-O, at paradisoinsurance.com. If you just Google Paradiso Insurance and you put a little note in there, it's going to come directly to me anyway. So, um, if you just go online, that's fine too. Uh, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, Twitter, anywhere, any social platform, um, just about we're there. Nice. Good deal. Well, Chris, I appreciate you making the Thank time. Thank you guys. Awesome really appreciate today, it. Man. We're going to do everything we can to get our platform out there and, and your word spread. Please let us know anything we can do to help. But, uh, you know, I'm going to be getting the word out there. We're not going to stop, man. You know, we're, we'll do it as long as we have to do it. Right. I'd rather join you than go against you, my friend. Okay. You're you're a man with some serious resolve. So, okay. listen, I hope you have a good week. Thank you so much for spending time with Appreciate us. Appreciate it. Keep up the good work, guys. Thank you. You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com.